Yo, 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 welcome to Tap Room Sports, a sports podcast unlike any other podcast around. That's right, because it's about two of the greatest things on this planet, sports and beer. I am your host, Jordan. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Lats, here with my partner, my friend, the co-host of this show, Mr. Big Ball and Ben Larson. What's going on, Ben? Not much, man. It's uh, It's been a great weekend, so, and I've got some great beer, so I, I can't complain. How you doing? Right there with you. Uh, you know, yesterday started off really well, had a great day betting. Uh, this yep. morning started off pretty good, but ended in a shit show. <laughs> what, what a game we just had. But, uh, yeah, before we talk about, uh, wildcard weekend, we got to let everybody know about the other half of our podcast. And that is the beer half of our podcast. Like beer. Still like beer. So Jordan and I are huge fans of beer, you know, close to as much as, uh, we love sports, but, you know, maybe it's close, but we love supporting our local breweries. We love supporting brewers, you know, and, and we just love grabbing beers because it's an art. It's it's great stuff. Can't complain about beer. But uh, each week we're going to be, you know, talking about a few beers today. You know, we've got a special guest that we're, we have coming on who loves beer as well. So we're going to be we're going to be going over three beers today. So uh, lots of beer review. But uh, we want to let you guys know what we think is good beer. You know, so you guys can go out there and check it out too. So, Jordan, what is the first beer you have up on tap? Before I before I say my first beer, we do have a guest. However, yep. it's going to be a whole separate episode, which we're releasing right. on the same day as this because it it was such great conversation that we actually decided to make it its own episode. Um, but my beer, first beer, night, Ben, I'm drinking the Dab Lab Juice by Block Fifteen Brewing Company. Nice. Um, it is a IPA, right? Like what you would think of from an Oregon brew. Mm. Uh, but the Dab Lab series focuses on hop forward ales brewed with a vibrant blend of hop extraction and variables. Uh, juice joint pairs dark and citrusy kettle additions with a tropical and herbal dry hop. A heavy combination that's packed with resin drip pineapple skunk. Freshly squeezed, twisted citrus. <laughs> I love how I love how a skunk flavor or a skunk smell is now desirable. Like outside of beer, you know, you don't you don't necessarily think of uh, something skunky being good. But uh, yeah, do you get that that smell that uh, taste to it? I don't. That's probably okay. a good thing to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe as it warms up, you'll start to get some uh, some different flavors out of it. But uh, hell yeah, that sounds like a good way to start. How about so, you though? What are you sipping on? So yeah, so my uh, first beer is gonna be. Uh, it's out of Kelly Brewing Company. It's called Doctor Mosaic, um, and Kelly Brewing Company is right up the street from me. It's in uh, Morgan Hill, California. So you know, literally about fifteen minutes up. Um, it's a single hopped IPA coming in at six point six percent. So I mean, they describe it as being a super clear West Coast single hopped IPA, and uh, you know, this round is highlighting the mosaic hops. So they describe the flavor notes with, you know, bubblegum, cantaloupe, mango, pine, and stone fruits. So, you know, I'm I'm excited. It's it's fruity. I've had a good, uh, you know, couple sips of it so far. It definitely gets those flavor notes. I'm uh, I'm I'm looking for that bubblegum though. So we'll see how that goes. Yes, man, that sounds really good. 
Looking forward to hearing about that one. All right, Ben, well, let's jump into the NFL. You know, obviously super wild card weekend. We had one extra game on both Saturday and Sunday this year. It's made for a great weekend of football. I mean, we woke up 10 awesome know, games. in yeah. the morning. We had a game and then another game, another game. It was awesome. So let's talk about Saturday night first. You know, the first game we had was the Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills closed at minus seven favorites. Um, and the game was 27 to 24. Buffalo ended up winning. What did you think of that game? What was your takeaway? I mean, this is, you know, unfortunately not the our Washington football team, but uh, this was probably my favorite game of uh, Saturday. Like it was it was two teams that I thought could, you know, put a run in for, you know, being the best team in football. The Colts D is outstanding. They were able to put up they put up a lot of yards on the uh, on the ground, which was huge. And Philip Rivers was was pretty impressive, too. But man, those those bills are are something else. They they move the ball. They they put points up. They didn't move the ball as freely though as they have True. been. Oh yeah, um, and I think that has a lot to do with the Colts defense though. That's a, that's a stout defense. They did. And one thing I noticed too, uh, you know, when Josh Allen was successful, you know, early on in that game. He was getting out on that bootleg, getting out on his legs, and really improvising. And in the second half, um, the Indianapolis Colts kind of kept him inside the pocket more. Because yeah. That was a weird game because I felt in the first half, the Colts dominated that game. They dominated time of possession, but they had that fourth and goal, which they didn't convert. Buffalo got the ball, drove down the field, yeah. and they could have had three points there. That game could have easily been 13-14 to 14 at halftime. And then the second half... The Colts had a chance to go for two. They did. They missed it, and so that not not getting that two point conversion and not opting for a field goal there basically cost them that game. If they did no, those absolutely. two things, they win yeah. that game. Um, and I did. I liked Indy to cover this game. I loved it as a bet. I just thought it was a stylistic matchup nightmare. But what I saw from what the Colts were able to do to kind of slow down the Bills, I think. A lot of these playoff teams are going to be able to do that. So I think, um, especially if they have to play the Chiefs, dude, that's, there's no way they're going to be. That's just going to get ugly. But, I mean, even next week, you know, playing the Ravens, Ravens were able to shut down that Titans offense that was so prolific. Yeah. So we'll get into that later. But second game, we had the Los Angeles Rams. They headed into Seattle. Seattle was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what it closed at. Um, Seattle looked awful, man. <clears throat> Absolutely awful. Lost this game thirty to twenty. What was your takeaway? And Jared Goff had like a, a broken, played with a mess up thumb, and Wolford got hurt in the very first drive. Yeah, yeah, it was unfortunate to see Wolford get hurt. I, you know, it it wasn't a nasty hit, so you know it's it's unfortunate there. Uh, glad he was able to at least come back and and you know celebrate with the team but i was just surprised at at the way you know i i should know the rams defense is you know just astute and i should have known that they were going to hold seattle you know to uh you know less than three touchdowns there and i just didn't think it was going to happen i thought seattle was going to outrun or sorry out uh out throw i guess uh the rams and just do work there but i mean dk 
he had 96 yards, but that's low for him. Lockett was non-existent. EK, like, a lot of his yards came in garbage time when the game was already yeah. a drive. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I thought Seattle would win this game um, just because, I mean, their defense had been playing really great. They had been yeah. a top-four defense in the last three weeks in yards per game and rush yards per game. They ended up giving up 164 rush yards to the Rams, and Goff wasn't even good. He was 9 for 19, barely threw for over 150 yards, 155 to be exact. But he didn't have to be good because they were able to run the ball. And yeah. that's the way the Rams play. They're stout defensively. That defensive line, even when Aaron Donald went out, that defensive line was freaking havoc, dude. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, they, they sacked Wilson five times. That's, five times. That's not good for a playoff team. Definitely not good for a playoff team, Ben. Let's move on to the third game, though. Uh, this we one had, was tough. Yeah, this was this was my favorite game of the day. It was our football team. They were at home. They were nine point underdogs, um, and the line actually closed at ten. Um, once Alex Smith was ruled out, um, Buccaneers won this game thirty one to twenty three. What was your takeaway from this game? Uh, fucking awesome job, Hanicky, man. I'm I'm glad that we saw other you know athletes even outside of football you know come in and and give this kid praise because. You know, he came in a couple hours before the game. You know, I guess he knew he had an opportunity to be playing, but he he stepped up when they needed him to. And, you know, this, this guy who, you know, before today or yesterday, excuse me, was kind of a nobody, and now he's thrust into the limelight. And, you know, he did play for a fourth-line guy. He played really well. Oh, he played excellent. I mean, he played you better know. than Russell Wilson played. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, over 50%, you know, three hundred over 300 yards. Yeah, yeah, he had that interception, but it was a tipped ball. So was That interception wasn't even his fault, to be honest. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you told me before the day started that Washington was going to score 23 points, I would have said, let's throw everything on the money. Um, however, you know, the Bucks had a great game plan. They ran the ball up the middle against a very yeah. aggressive defensive line. And early on in that game, they were running the ball so well that um, Jack Del Rio had to keep bringing his safeties up. And then once he brought those safeties up, they were play action over the top. And that's how yep. Tampa scored two of their touchdowns. In the second half, they adjusted more, and they really were they were putting pressure on Brady all game, really. But it was their ability to run the ball which really helped Tampa in this game. It took a lot of the pressure off of Brady because yeah. he wasn't under so much pressure because they had to account for the run. I think that was the biggest difference in the game. That was my biggest takeaway. Washington, um, I don't think Heineke necessarily is the guy going forward, but he's definitely yeah. a guy that's going to make their roster next year. might be their backup quarterback, but this team is legitimately you know, a few pieces away from being very, very good. I absolutely agree. And I, I think, you know, you talk about, you know, how Tampa Bay ran the ball. I think that, you know, you can look at the opposite. You know, Washington did not. You know, you look at ball. your your top, you know, running back having 2.2 yards per carry on average. That's, uh, you know, even if you're behind and not getting, you're playing from behind and not getting runs, like you still need to get more than 2.2 yards per carry. You know, even though you're only going to have 14 carries. 
I'm talking about 2.2 yards per carry. Let's talk about this next game. First yeah. game on Sunday, we have the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans. The Ravens were three and a half point favorites on the road. They won the game 20 to 13. The first game in Lamar Jackson's NFL career where he's been down 10 points, came back and won. What was your takeaway from this one, Ben? Yeah. Uh, 2.2 yards per carry for Derrick Henry. Um, that's, you know, 40 yards is not going to, from your, your top offensive threat, is not going to win you a ball game. And that showed today. Um, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. I had Tennessee as, you know, my best bet. I did not see Baltimore even putting up 14 points. Um, you know, they, they ran the bar ball. Lamar ran the ball. Um, you know, he had over 300 yards between his passes and, uh, you know, and rushes and, you know, that's really, that's good for him this year. He, he's been struggling. This was another one of those games where if you told me, kicked off that the Ravens would only score 20, I would have said, oh man, let's, let's hammer Tennessee. The fact that Tennessee was able to hold Baltimore to under, or to 20 points and they didn't win shocking but they didn't win because baltimore was able to stuff derrick henry shut him down we know how the titans are when derrick henry doesn't rush for 100 yards yep and on the opposite side i mean you know what lamar jackson wants to do he wants to run you know that that's what they're gonna do and they couldn't stop it they couldn't even though they held him to 20 points they because baltimore wasn't that good in the um red zone and they had a miskit field goal I mean, you have to, you cannot let Lamar Jackson run. You have to force him to beat you with the pass. And they didn't do that. And that's why they lost this game. And they deserve yeah. to lose this game. Yeah. And, and when, I mean, when does Lamar beat you with the pass? Like, that's, that's rare. That's rare to see. And I have to make him yeah, do he it. He was though. all over it. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did. He, Marquise Barron, you know. I mean, he only uh, threw Mike, for Mike like Andrews. 120 yards, and it was really all because he was running. He rushed for over 125 yards, and it opened yeah. everything up when he was able to do that. All right, let's move True. on to the second game. This one was broadcasted on Nickelodeon, what? which I heard I was, a, was uh, I was impressed. Oh, you watched it? I watched the second half on Nickelodeon because I, I saw everything because everybody was posting about it, so I, I, I had to change it over. Were it's kids good. really uh were the kids doing the broadcast? Uh I mean, they were like teenagers and, and older teenagers, yeah. There was a there was a young kid who was sitting on the side or not on the sideline, but in like the first row who yeah, who was doing interviews and stuff like that. But it was good. It it um it really surprised me how they broke down football to you know, to get that younger crowd into the game. Like you know, making telling you what the penalty was what a safety is like how what the difference between you know offenses versus defensive offsides is and I don't, like my biggest it, thing it is good. Ben if you want to get the kids into football why the hell would you force them to watch the fucking bears <laughs> yeah true <laughs> very true uh yeah I mean yeah. this one this one was ugly from the jump I mean, why not put it? Why not put like Juju or Claypool, who's all over TikTok? Like, get that group in there watching those kids in there watching it too. 
Yeah, this was a that was a weird decision for me. I, I mean, this game went exactly how I think all thought it was gonna oh, go, yeah. and exactly how we talked about it on APR. Trubinski's no, trash. Yeah, the Bears couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, they couldn't rush the ball, which has been like what they've been succeeding at and what's been helping them. You know, four games when they came back. I mean, this one was just ugly, Ben. 21-9. to nine. The Saints covered the 10.5, which was the largest underdog of the... Uh... What was your takeaway from this one? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can't win ball games getting two scoreless quarters, especially in the playoffs. Like, I... There were so many turnovers on downs and and you know punts that on on three and outs for Chicago like they just they couldn't even get a single uh, like a single they, thing done like they didn't get a third down conversion until the very last drive when they were already it was the game was over basically they only had eleven first downs throughout the whole game it went like that it's it, that's incredible absolutely incredible um. But, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Chicago's offense has been, you know, trash this whole year. And, uh, you know, Trubinsky is better than Foles has been. But I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I'm surprised they got in. I would have rather seen, I think we said, you know, we over our, our APR chat that we would have rather seen uh, Arizona in there just because it would have been a little bit more fun of a game. You guys would have liked to see Arizona. Yeah, I did true. not want to see Arizona <laughs> get their ass beat. True. But let's go to a game that really shocked me. This was the final game of the weekend. Yeah. Yep. This was Cleveland going into Pittsburgh. Cleveland didn't have their head coach. They weren't able to practice until Thursday. They were six-point underdogs when the line closed. And they were up 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Ended up winning 48-37. to 37. What was your takeaway from this one, Ben? Um, I'm... I cannot believe there were 85 points in this this ball game. Um I didn't think Cleveland would put up almost 50. Um you know, especially on a, a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that was at least credible at the first half of the year. Second half they still kept, you know, the the teams from scoring a lot of points. Uh but when you put yourself in a, a 28 nothing hole, you, you know, you don't expect to win you know if they didn't if they didn't go down that far it would have been a 37 you know to to 20 game you know plus whatever points they got in those first four drowns that they're uh four drives that they turn the ball over yeah oh man i'm with you dude i thought i thought pittsburgh was gonna blow them out of the water to be honest i didn't think this yeah. one was gonna be close you know no stefanski not being able to practice last week no ben and they they only lost 24 to 22 um, but I mean, it started off on the wrong foot right away and yeah. it just kind of went downhill for that whole first quarter. And it was just such a big hole to get out of yeah. after that first quarter. I was like, dude, there's no way they're going to win this game. I mean, 20 to nothing. Like that's incredible. Like yep. nobody's going to overcome that. With that being said, I think this was a lot more of Pittsburgh beating themselves than it was Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So big Ben beating, beating the. You know the whole team there. Yeah, and a lot of the interceptions, like, were bad throws, bad interceptions. Like, it it was nothing where Cleveland was like, oh man, they're doing such a great job. It was more like 
dude, what the fuck is Pittsburgh doing? Yeah. yeah. Which is surprising because Ben, again, we we mentioned it last week. Ben usually comes out from his, you know, bye weeks. You know, they had the week off last week, or he had the week off, excuse me. But, you know, he usually comes out strong. And, man, he was majorly off today. I don't even think off is a good enough word to describe it. Yeah, his, was... his stat line, like, if you were to look at it, he has, like, 519 yards, four 500 touchdowns. Yards, yeah. But it's like, I mean, they were playing down the whole game. Like, of course he's yep. going to have that. Um. All right, well, let's move on to... The next week's games, all right? So we got them set. We got our first seeds, uh, Packers and Chiefs. They're going to be playing this week, right? Yep. Um, let's start off with on Saturday. We have the Los Angeles Rams heading into Lambeau Field. The Rams are currently a seven-point underdog. What's your take on this game, Ben? Yeah, it's... uh, Again, this, this can go either way. Like, we can see, you know, an Aaron Rodgers just go absolutely crazy you know or we can see an la rams defense just stifle this offense and you know it's it's a tough one because on any given day that la rams defense can you know just not show up we've seen it countless times this year you know especially not knowing if you know donald is is has the broken ribs you know what his status is going to be for you know for this game you know, he's probably playing, but he won't be playing at 100%. So it makes me want to lean Green Bay because that offense just puts up points. But I'm definitely not overly confident at seven. One thing I would also say is that the starting left tackle, Bakhtiari, is out for Green Bay as well. Um, This is one of those matchups kind of like Seattle. Like, if you look at Green Bay this year... They've only played two defenses in the top five. That's New Orleans, or actually Tampa Bay's not even in the top five. They played New Orleans. When they played New Orleans, New Orleans had both their starting cornerbacks out and Drew B. Uh, or is that a game Drew B? No, Drew B's did play. They had a lot of starters out on defense in that game. And Green Bay won that game. That was a long time ago, though. Yep. Since saying Green, or uh, yeah, Green Bay. All the other top defensives that they played, you know, they played Tampa, and look what Tampa was able to do to them. Tampa is a very similar defensive team to the Rams. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has locked everybody up that he's faced, whether it's DK Metcalf, uh, Hopkins. So I, I see no reason why he's not going to be able to do that to Devontae Adams. Yeah. The Rams are not going to allow the Packers to control the game on the ground. And on the flip side... The Packers are not that great of a run, uh, rush defense, and that's what the Rams do well. I actually love the Rams here, plus seven. This is lock it up right now before the line drops below seven. Let's get those seven points. Yeah, especially at that seven. So love it. Yeah, I I definitely see where you're coming from there. I. It's that I. This yeah, is me. Like I haven't even really deep dive, looked into this game. This is just off like. What I know and looking yeah, on the surface of the out. numbers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the this line literally just came out. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the second game. Next Saturday, we have the Ravens at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are currently a three-point favorite here. Where are you going with this one? I I love the Bills here. Um, yes, Baltimore came out huge today. Absolutely huge. I did not – or sorry, yesterday. I did not see them – 
Oh, no, I guess that was today coming up against Tennessee. Like, I did not see them, you know, doing, getting even close to, you know, playing with Tennessee here. But I just like the way that, you know, Buffalo is, they're rolling right now. They're able to move the ball. They're able to, they were fairly effective in stopping the run. Um, you know, they're they're going to have to hold Lamar Jackson, you know, in that pocket and make him throw the ball. And I think they're able to do that. Um, you know, that, that three is, is close enough that I like it. Um, you know, but Bills were able to put up 27 points on another hard, you know, defensive team. And I think, I think they'll be able to do it against Baltimore. Yeah, this one's tough, man, because the Bills played the Cardinals. They lost to the Cardinals. The Bills played the Titans, lost to a mobile quarterback in the Titans. Obviously, this was a while ago. Yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily put Tannehill as being a majorly mobile quarterback. He's fairly mobile, though. He's surprised. Yeah, yeah, I like the Bills here, the three. Um, I just, obviously, Josh Allen's a much better thrower of the football than Tannehill. So, they're not, they're, the Bills aren't really dependent on any one thing. They can run the ball when they have to. They can throw the ball when they have to. I, I just, I don't like this game if it becomes like a defensive matchup like the Titans, um, the Titans game did, the Titans-Ravens game. I think that's a game Baltimore that favors them. But if this is like a shootout, I like the Bills here. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. Um, We got the Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are currently opening as a 10-point favorite. Going here, Ben. This is, I mean, I want to go Chiefs, but 10 is a lot for the Chiefs. I mean, we saw them throughout this the whole year just struggled to put up a lot of points. Um, you know, I do know that this is the playoffs and we're going to see a chiefs team, you know, that, you know, is going to come out gunning. And I think, I think after today, after we saw Cleveland put up so many points against the, uh, you know, a decent, well, they didn't put up a lot of points against their, their defense because they had, you know, 10, 20 yard drives. Um, yeah. you know, to get touchdowns, but you know, they, they know that they can put up the points and I guarantee you, we will not see five turnovers out of a Kansas city chiefs team. Like, there's yeah, that, no way that happens. Oh, that's it. That was exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I, I actually kind of lean Kansas city here with the minus 10. I would, I'd like to see it drop a little bit, Yeah. but you know, Cleveland was able to score a lot today because they were able to get short fields over and over and over again. I mean, they put up 28 points first quarter because of four turnovers yep. Kansas City doesn't turn the ball over so yep. relying on them to to give you short fields isn't going to happen and on the flip side Patrick Mahomes is going to be to throw the ball do whatever he wants and Cleveland's defense aside from Miles Garrett and they're not really a great defense they're like a decent defense they're not a great defense Oh, yeah. How many times did, I mean, when Pittsburgh did move the ball down the field, like how many times did they score that touchdown? You know, oh. 70, 80 yards in, you know, two to three minutes. Like they they were able to move the ball quickly, which is something that Kansas City can definitely do. So, yep. 
Agreed. I'm with you. Let's not not push this ten, but uh, you know, let it drop. It'll definitely drop too because the public is gonna go based oh. on what they just saw with the Browns. <laughs> with the Browns, yeah, it'll be it'll be way low tomorrow. All right, let's move on to the second game here. This is a third matchup between the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're heading into New Orleans. They are three point underdogs here. Where are you going with this one? I mean, it's uh, you know, I'm going to the stock market to put my money in Ben Gay and and <laughs> band aids and like uh, the elixir of life. I mean, you've got two incredibly old quarterbacks that are. You know, they, they both put up decent performances this weekend, but, uh, you know, these these teams are, are stacked. It's going to be, you know, it's that's this is a tough game to call because both offenses have, you know, again, great wide receiving talent, running back talent. You know, I'd, I'd put both teams having, you know, a little bit better on you know, each of those two old quarterback defenses are pretty good i'd say close to even maybe tampa bay has a little bit better of a defense there um but saints I, have a better defense uh starting down. of the year yeah i i i can't i can't faithfully say that i want tom brady to win so let's go saints <laughs> i think the saints is a play here for sure i think this is again it's a stylistic matchup nightmare for the bucks the saints have a great defensive line a deep defensive line too and they get after the quarterback but more importantly the saints are number one against the rush the saints do not give up rushing yards and because of that i don't see tampa bay being able to do what they were able to do against washington and the saints have better cornerbacks than washington does as well Uh, and we saw godwin get a little banged up too at the end obviously evan's a little banged up I like the Saints here. I think this is another low-scoring game. I think this is like a, a twenty-four to twenty type game, though. You weren't you weren't talking smack on uh, our our football team, were you? No, no, no. I mean, our football team. Okay, bro, they were they were <laughs> nine-point underdogs. Nobody thought they were actually oh, yeah. going to win. No. We were really, and they were in that game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the Saints are a much better team than Washington. All hundred percent. Yep. No questions there. It's a huddle, guys. It's a huddle. Huddle, Latin for round. Come on, turn around. All right, there you go. All right, now, communication is the key. I signal the quarterback with the play. He relates it to you in the huddle, and then we try it on the field. Okay, let's do it. Okay, guys, it's a curl out to the fullback on two. Hey, 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 wait a second. How come you never call a play for me? You're a tackle, diphead. Hey, nobody calls me a diphead except my brother. Guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'll just run the ball. You always run the ball. Why can't I run the ball? Because you're slow and no one likes you. Well, you can't go to my birthday. Oh boy. Okay, guys, that was good for a first time. Let's try it again. Need to get prepared for the NFL weekend? Join us on APR, the annexation of Puerto Rico, an ode to the Little Giants movie of 1994 starring Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis, a new football podcast brought to you by Taproom Sports Podcasts. It features Taproom Sports Podcast hosts Jordan, Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, Lats, and Big Ballin' Ben Larson. 
joined by Weekend Waiver Wires, Steady Eddie Martin, and me, Tiffany, from Picks by Chicks, as we preview the upcoming week slate of games from a betting and fantasy point of view. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com for more information. All right, enough football. Let's hop into some NBA. We had we had a lot of stuff go down this week, Ben. A lot of crazy stuff. And let's start off with the craziest thing. We've seen yeah. numerous players uh, either test positive for COVID or have to be uh, quarantined due to NBA protocol because they were in close contact with someone that was uh, COVID positive. But we saw a player who tested positive in the middle of a game didn't yeah. play in the game, but he was on the bench during the game. Had to be pulled and quarantined straight from there. That was Seth Curry of the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers played with seven players against the Nuggets. Um, I mean, let's talk about the COVID protocols. First of all, what's your take on it? Do you think that the protocols are working? No. <laughs> and, and then the second Sorry, part is, yeah. so two-part question. So first, yeah. are they working uh, second part is, are we going to see a stoppage? I Yeah, I'm guessing we are going to see a stoppage. I mean, I was wrong in, in NFL, but, you know, we are seeing a lot of games, you know, getting disrupted, moved around now because of, you know, a lot of people on the teams being, you know, testing positive. But, I mean, handling this whole Curry situation is just, it, it baffles me. How are... How are you starting these these games without the testing not being done? Like, what's the point? You just had direct contact with everybody. Like, Curry's a popular guy. Like, he's probably interacting with people, you know, uh, high fives, hugs before a game. And now all of those people, they're direct contacts, but you're not pulling them out of the game? Like... The pregame huddle, uh, that the whole team is within close contact. Like, that's that. That just to me, it seems irresponsible from the NBA. I I mean, I think their protocols are like very strict, though. Because I mean, it's even like Kevin Durant has already tested positive for COVID. He didn't test positive the second time. He was just in close contact with someone who tested Somebody positive. Else. Yeah, had to quarantine for ten to fourteen days. I mean, I I think it's they they're. Protocol is almost too strict. But then why is he on the bench? Like, yeah, why, that why is one, he even that is... allowed to the, the arena or, or into the locker room before those tests are known? Like, don't don't these tests take 15 minutes now? Yeah, this rapid. minutes? No, I, I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, I haven't really read too deep into it. I'm assuming what happened was he had, like, an inconclusive test, and then for protocol, they didn't let him play. And then tested him again right before the game. And then the positive test came back um, shortly thereafter. I don't know that. Don't mark my words. I'm just assuming that. But, I mean, we're seeing teams like the Sixers had to play with seven guys. And and the Rockets have already had to do that once. And, I mean, at this point, I don't see any way where there's not a stoppage. Because, I mean, it's going to get to the point where half the league is on COVID protocol and you're going to have to like postpone all these games. You might as well just yeah. do the all-star break early. It's crazy to me though, Ben, because the NFL was able to really like skate through the season. no stoppage. Yeah. And they have like a hundred plus people per team. If you count the staff and coaching and 
players and everyone combined, and the NBA is like a quarter of that. It's got to be the duration of in between games, though, and the amount of travel. You look at a an NFL team, and you know they're traveling every other week, and then you've got some teams NBA teams that are traveling. Planes. Yeah, but you're still going through airports. You're still going, you know, in and out of different cities where you're, you know, you're you're interacting with different, you know, elements. You know, a, a southern team going into the extreme cold of the north is. You know, it's going to boost your chances of getting sick, which then would, you know, could be a, a jump start to COVID. But, like, it's – I think the travel has a lot to do with it. The, you know, the, the recovery time between games, too, I'm sure has a lot to do with it. And, you know, the amount of, of closer contact, you know, with football, you can separate your offense, your defense – you know, with basketball, yes, there aren't as many players, but everybody is there, twenty four seven. They should altogether. allow. They should allow teams have like an extra three roster spots of like players they can just like quarantine. Yeah, you know what I mean, so yeah. that way, if anything does happen, they they at least have reason to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so it, a big thing too. Like, sorry, one more one more thing I want to get out here. Yeah, is, go for it. Like you. If you have seven people out, you know, granted, okay, so we're looking at the 76ers. You have seven players out. Two of them were injuries. And, you know, those, uh, you know, one of them is Embiid. Uh, who was the other one that was out for injury? Um, yeah. I think they were uh, like, just resting, though. Yeah, exactly. They play if you don't have those five COVID players out. And, I mean, that leaves the starting lineup of Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Tyrese Maxey, Tony Bradley, Isaiah Joe. Hey, they went out there and competed Mathis. too. They did, but also, I mean, you look at the the play times of the um, uh, of of the Nuggets who they were playing, and they limited their starters. I mean, you're looking at Jokic, you know, having yeah. you know 15 less minutes uh, than his normal average. You know, it was it was across the lineup. So, but they did. They definitely did. And I'm sure it gets a lot of them playing time that they didn't normally see. <clears throat> All right. And then the second biggest story we really got going on in NBA this week, Ben, Kyrie no-showed on, yeah. what was that, Thursday? Thursday's game, yeah. Head coach Steve Nash, which sounds crazy saying head coach Steve Nash, but head coach Steve Nash was asked about Kyrie's absence. And during the time of his media um presser before the game he had no idea like he he literally said i have no idea where he's at like i have had no communication supposedly his agent or his people reached out to the nets and said that he was taking a personal day i mean what's your thoughts eventually on this? yeah i mean i i think it's it's completely irresponsible uh you know if if you or i were to to skip a day of work like if yes out of protest absolutely sit like you know, protest the game, protest what's going on in this country, you know, use your platform. Absolutely. But you have to inform people. Like if we didn't let somebody like our teammates know, our bosses know that we weren't coming in, like, bye, we're, we're fired. We're gone. We're canned. Like granted, he's a, you know, a professional elite athlete. He's not going to get canned for that. But you know, out of the respect, like he didn't show up for a game, right? Like, yeah. you know, you you at least have to let people know. You gotta communicate. And 
have to yeah. communicate in I any he, professional aspect you have to communicate yeah he had like a million calls from nash from the gm and then he picks up on durant's first call from what i hear so it's like yeah i'll answer the homies but i'm not gonna answer the like the big yeah. wigs like come on um, I'm 100% with you, Ben. It's just irresponsible. It's unprofessional. Um, you know, as an athlete, you're making, I know this is cliche to say, but I mean, you're making millions of dollars to do something that you love. Yeah. And when it comes to being in a profession, like I'm all for like taking mental health days, dude. Like if, if you're not in the mood and shit and there's other shit on your mind, which obviously Kyrie always has other shit on his mind. Yeah. Cool, man call in call your boss and say hey man like i just don't think i can perform at my highest level today yep all right that's all you have to cool. do yeah move on but he doesn't yep. do that and kind of j- i mean if he wasn't as good as he was he wouldn't be on an nba roster right now i just facts that's how i feel about Kyrie. yeah all right let's move on we had some big games this week we had steph curry or yeah. steph curry for your love State warriors he went off on a barrage damn yeah, and All Bradley week. Beal had a big game. Yeah, Steph yep. Curry had a big week. Um, you know what do you think about those those games, man? I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, I, having two sixty plus games in a week is like crazy. I I had to go look up you know the the occurrences of that, and you know we've only seen that happen seventy seven times where you know a player gets more than sixty points and. You know, a lot of that was Jordan, was uh, Chamberlain. So, like, only 29 players have actually done it. And that's that's incredible. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is that sucks that, that Beal didn't get the W. Oh, like, his team uh, sucks. Yeah, but you score 60 points. Like, you'd think that, uh, that you get the W. But really, it only happens, you know, 57. And teams are 57 and 20 when they have a player... Uh, you know, with that 60-plus point. So, you know, there's crazy. been 20 times where they haven't gotten that win. And that, I mean, that just surprised me. But yeah, Two monster performances. Bradley Beal hopefully will get out of Washington soon and can go play for a winner. But, man, uh, we didn't see Washington being this trash. No, we didn't. And they lost Thomas Bryant today for the year, too, which only mm. fucking makes matters worse. So. Hurts. Yeah, way hurts. It is what it is. I think it's time to let Beal move on. Uh, they're not going to be able to trade Westbrook because his contract sucks. But yep. uh, as far as Steph Curry's concerned, man, huge performance, Ben. Um, huge yeah. week, like you said. Because, I mean, this is a team where I was, like, starting to wonder, like, damn, are they really that bad? But, you know, with Curry's performance, they've really been putting the ball in his hands more. Uh, he's not playing so much off the ball. He's playing with the ball in his hands a lot more. And it's worked out. Uh, you know, they beat the Clippers the other night. Um, and they're performing really well, man. This is a team that is right in the thick of things now. And I know it's really early, and we're and I'm saying that, but the team that can definitely make the playoffs, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and uh, before we we move on to our second beer of the night, definitely want to let everybody know that this is where we we're going to have our NHL preview of the East and the Western conferences. Um, see, Western Divisions. Um, we had a great, great conversation with Howard from 90 Second Beer Reviews, our buddy, and a huge East Coast fan. 
Jordan and I got to talk about our, our West Coast teams, um, and we had some great beers. Jordan drank uh, his his beer from uh, KCBC. I had a beer from uh, Hen House and Crown of Hops. We got those reviews. You can also go check out Howard's beers. He had two from the East Coast, um, one from Six Point Brewery and one from Casita Brewing Company. So uh, make sure to check out that other full you know, kind of side podcast for our NBA or NBA man, our NHL <laughs> preview. Got NBA on my mind. Hey guys, it's your boy Jordan. Stacks on stacks on stacks, lads. And me, Steady Eddie Martin. You've seen our picks on Twitter and all our shows on the Taproom Sports Podcast Network. So we're bringing y'all a new show twice a week called The Square Sharks. Yeah, just two guys who love sports that will help you win money. Yep, so go to www.taproomsportspodcast.com slash square sharks for more info and to subscribe to the podcast. Don't miss out. Do it now. Because why throw away free money? All right, and with that, we are going to move to our second beer of the podcast. I mean, we both had some, you know, what sounded like some great beers. I'm looking forward to those reviews. But tell me, Jordan, what are you drinking for your second beer of the night? Second beer tonight is from Drecker Brewing Company out of North Dakota. Had a couple of their beers on the show before. Love this yeah. brewery. They always they always hit always hit well. And this is the philosophies and hypotheses. Ah, I Double love the name. IPA. Hell yeah. And when I read you this, you're going to know why I love this beer. A while back, we virtually connected our brains with the wonderful weirdos at Wild Mind Artisan Ales and talked about science, art, and pain. Came Hell up yeah. with philosophies and hypotheses. A new double IPA recipe that's double dry hop with mosaic, big secret, and strata. So they use a lot of new techniques, has a lot of hops. Some mango flavors, orange, lemon, pineapple. Definitely smell the citrus aroma right when you open the can. Uh, and it's a shout out to Wu Tang Clan, so you know yep. I love that. I love it. I mean, I need to find that beer because I mean, just the name alone got has got me. So, hell yeah. Uh, so for my beer, the the second beer of the night, I'm gonna go with the uh, Central Coast Brewing. So this is out of San Luis Obispo, a little bit uh, south of the Bay Area here in in California, and this is called the Juice Almighty IPA, and this is a hazy IPA that's coming in at seven point five percent. I I'm not gonna lie, I bought this you know basically because of the can. Uh, I love I, I love the Bruce Almighty uh, movie, so I figured I gotta at least try this one out. Um, so. You know, it's a hazy. It's uh, it's got mosaic, galaxy, and sultana hops. Uh, sultana is a, a rare one, uh, and it's they say it's got an epic tropical fruit explosion. And uh, you know, I took my first sip, and I can definitely say it has an epic tropical fruit explosion. So I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, get through this one, but uh, we'll come back for for review in a bit. And I feel like a third of craft beer is the can art. <clears throat> oh yeah. The can Absolutely. art, the story, and then the beer itself. Yep. Yeah, and probably, you know, the I'd say the the really top can arts, you know, are 
you know, probably the a third beers. of them are. Oh no! See, I I think usually the better the can art, the worse the beer. I'd say that oh, you know, no awesome way. can art only hits like. I feel like you know, thirty three percent kills the can art, dude. Yeah, you, you get do. those rare ones. Yeah, you definitely get those rare companies that have just an amazing artist. But I, I've gone through a, a bunch that I've been like, yes, this is going to be awesome because this this can art is awesome. And then you get, get to the it. beer and you're just like, yeah. Or maybe I just have too high of expectations because the can art is so dope. True. I don't know. I feel you there. All right, well, let's head into we got a big game tonight, a huge game tonight. Yep. We got a big college football national championship, college football playoff championship, the invitational championship, whatever the fuck you want to call it. We got number one Alabama versus number three Ohio in Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, the same place the Super Bowl was played. I feel like that's where every national championship is going to be played now. Um, <clears throat> currently, Alabama is an eight point favorite. What, how, what do you see? Ben. Who do you like in this one? Um, I really like this beer, man. This Juice Almighty is on point. Sorry, Love it. um, I like it. This, these first sips are outstanding. Um, sorry, football, um, college. Okay, um, I mean, you, you, Alabama. There's no question about it. They have just, just, they've walked through everyone. Um, I mean. Just look at that staff. You got five All-Americans, you know, three of the top five Heisman vote-getters on one team. I, that's incredible. They're outscoring opponents by 30 points. I, you, can't, you can't go against it. You can't put money against that. Especially, and Justin Fields, who knows if, how he's going to be after that hit. That was bad. Yeah, I mean, we heard some rumors that – Obviously, Ohio State had some COVID issues. We didn't know if this game would be played tomorrow. Yeah. There was a lot of rumors that Ohio State wanted to push it back because Justin Fields wasn't 100%. Mm, yep. Yeah. And I wouldn't even – it wouldn't even, like, blow my mind if that was actually true. Because he no, did – of course he, they – He took some hits, man. He took some big oh, hits. That that one, he – I forgot who it was that uh, – I, I wanted, it was one of their safeties. Yeah. Uh, that broke a rib, maybe two. Like, yeah, but that I mean, was he still a threw the nasty ball well shot. After. Yeah. Crazy. But, I mean, we've seen two different Ohio State teams show up this year. We've seen the good Ohio State, and they played their best game against Clemson. But then we've seen that Ohio State team that showed up, you know, for the first seven games, or first six games, I'm sorry. First, you know, Northwestern, where they only put up 22 points, weren't able, weren't able to move the ball, you know, against, um, against, uh, Indiana, where Justin Fields wasn't good. I mean, we've yeah. just seen like a Jekyll and Hyde, right? So it's like, how can I put my money on Ohio State when I don't even know which Ohio State team I'm getting? Now, yeah. if we talk about talent, they're up there, dude. And oh, yeah. Brian, and I, Brian and I both talked about this on the program this week. This is a weird game because Ohio State has the talent to match up with Alabama. I mean, you're talking about a team with 16 five-star recruits. Just as much as Alabama, yep. talking about you know guy in Justin Fields who's going to be a top five draft pick, right? Olave, a wide receiver for Ohio State, is fast as lightning. Might be as good as Devonte Smith. Um, the it's it's tough, dude. It's it is a yeah. tough game to bet on. I would take Ohio. I would take Alabama minus eight. 
don't love it, I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna fade the public tomorrow. So I'm gonna wait until 30 minutes before kickoff, and yeah. whichever side the public is on, I'm betting against. See, I would have so much more confidence in Ohio State if they were, like, if they were playing as they were playing right now, but they had those extra five games of, you know, of, of, of data that we could look at and say that right. they are deserving of this position and they, you know, they will fight just as hard as Alabama was. Like, I, I still can't put them up at that same echelon because. You know, you're talking what six games versus twelve. Like, yeah, but I mean, talent wise, they're up on that echelon. I, I agree with you. They shouldn't be here based on how the season played out and how many games they played. I'm I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. But we're talking about four most talented teams. I'm not sure Notre Dame was a top four talent. Oh yeah, Ohio State yeah. definitely is a top four talent. Yes, uh, talented yes. team in the country, and I mean they proved that against Clemson. I mean they at Clemson in the mouth. Oh yeah, no. I I'm just saying, like I would be more comfortable yeah. with Ohio's position that they're in right now. Yes, I agree being at the top. They've, they've with only that had more one a... game where like they played up to their their potential, yeah. and it, it happens to be their last game, which makes it even tougher because it's like, are they going to continue that, or was that like an anomaly this year? Yep. So yeah. I mean, I'm a hundred percent agree with you. I think the play here is the over seventy five. God, that's a lot of points. It's a, it's but a yeah, lot of points, right. but this might be a shoot. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we talked about all of our, our kind of focus sports, and we are going to be moving to Pour Me Another, the TMZ aspect of our podcast. And we're going to start off with baseball because we have got something crazy going on. We are going through a pine tar scandal. And, uh, I mean, Trevor Bauer has basically admitted that he is and was using it. I mean, back in March, we saw the Angels fire Bubba Harkins um, after they were informed that he was using a pine tar and resin mixture to give to, you know, pitchers on his team and opponents' team. Like, it, it's been crazy. I mean, this week we saw a text message from Garrett Cole to to Harkins, you know, saying that he needed more of this substance. So, Along with that test, they also talk about a, lo- a bunch of players, you know, to be put into this evidence log. But, like, do you think this is the Angels trying to get, you know, cheating and, and this resin out of baseball? Or is this the Angels just pissed off that he was supplying it to other pitchers? I think it's definitely the latter more than uh, the other one. Only because oh, yeah. everybody seems to be doing it. Um, every pitcher and that's why no one really talks about it is because everybody's doing it this is this is my thing with steroids too is like dude if everyone's doing it who cares let it happen makes the game better Uh, it also speaks to why Garrett Cole went from like being dog shit to Cy Young nominee (laughs) same with Trevor Bauer yeah and Trevor Bauer as well and the fact that Trevor Bauer even said like hey watch me I'm gonna use this and it's gonna improve my spin rate and in turn I'm gonna be a much better pitcher he did it and And he didn't do anything and I I have no issue with it don't do it I don't do anything yeah what about you Ben 
I mean, it's it's crazy. This list is huge. You've got Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Edwin Jackson, Max Scherzer, Felix Hernandez, Corey Klubler, Joba Chamberlain, Adam Wainwright, and Tyler Chatwood. And that's just the players that he was supplying to it off of the Angels. You look at the Angels when it started with Troy Percival. You've got Brendan Donnelly, Kevin Jespin, Cam... Bedrosian, sorry, I don't know who that is. Um, Esmero Petit, Kenyon Middleton, Luke Bard, uh, Andres, Peters, Suarez, Coart, Bundy. Like, Bundy just it, had a list, career year. The list just goes on and on and on. So, like, especially with that many people on the Angels, it, it's, you know, it's the Why Angels. Why have the Angels been pissed. so dog shit at pitching the last few years? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good question. All right. Adam Schefter reported that Urban Meyer met with Jags owner uh, Shad Khan on his yacht on Friday for reported, quote, unquote, not their first in-person meeting. Sources are saying Urban is assembling a coaching staff. And if things are to work out, also compiling a list of GMs for owner Shad Khan to interview. This be a smart move for Urban in Jacksonville? I mean, I think it's smart for, for both sides. Um, you know, my opinion, I know, you know, from what we talked about on APR that, you know, you think otherwise, but I think this is the, the best kind of place for a, a head coaching vacancy. Um, you know, but I, I really think it's the best place for an unproven coach in the NFL. Um, and, you know, you look at this team and it's going to be filled with young guys who Myers knows how to work with. They have a ton of draft uh, draft picks. They've got a ton of money for free agency. So it could, and I mean, shit, if he gets to pick his GMs, like it could literally be his team. Um, you know, it's, he wants 12 million, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, but you know, <laughs> if he can get it, I guess if he can get it. I don't think Jacksonville is a bad job. I just think the Chargers job is a better job. Yeah. However, you made a great point in saying that this is a better job for someone that's unproven. Well, and I 100% I, I yeah. agree with that. Um, one thing that Brian talked about on the program, which I totally agree with too, is that this is like a perfect scenario where Urban should be the GM and then he should hire someone like Dan Mullen, who was a, his offensive coordinator at Florida, who's now the head coach of Florida to be his head coach i was like holy shit that makes a lot of sense like they should do that maybe that is what they're talking about though um this meeting and so forth who knows but i i agree with you like if, if urban's their guy and it's a big splash it's a big name right and it's perfect for a team that is eventually going to be playing be the first team in europe um so if urban meyer <laughs> loves if urban meyer loves england then this is his spot man there we go. There we go. Hot take. Yes. Um, all right. So, uh, man, this week, this was huge for uh, for hockey. Um, the United States, you know, upset the heavily favored and undefeated Canadian uh, World Junior Team 2-0 to zero on Tuesday to win the gold medal in the first World Junior Ice Hockey Championship that was played in a bubble. Um, so what does this mean for the growth of U.S. hockey and, you know, kind of for the years of hockey to come? I mean, I think U.S. hockey's been growing in the last uh, two decades for sure. It started with you know, that Dustin Brown, Kane, uh, Jonathan Quick teams and is moving now to where we have like legitimate top players like Austin Matthews and so forth. So 
not to say Kane isn't a top, wasn't a top player in his heyday either, but I just, I mean, I already think the program's growing. This is just even better. This has to be like the first time they've ever beaten Canada, right? In the juniors? No, no, no. Uh, no, we've beaten Canada a couple times. We've okay. we've, uh, we've medaled in five of the last six years. Okay. So. Well, I mean that's good, and and this is a good team, and a lot of a lot of great young players, which we talked with Howard about as well, that happen to be on the West Coast, going to be playing against the Sharks, unfortunately. Um, yeah. but yeah, man, it's it's big for U.S. hockey. Yeah. Oh, it's huge for U.S. hockey, and. You know, like you said, I want to give props to Spencer Knight, the goalie from the Florida Panthers. I mean, 34 saves in, you know, a shutout for the, the championship game and just third shutout of the tournament. And you had the uh, Ducks draft pick, Zagaris, uh, who had 18 points throughout the whole tournament, MVP. You had uh, Kings prospect, Turcut, which, you know, had the 5-on-5 the five five goal, first goal of the, the game that was literally the only game, or the only goal that Canada allowed 5-on-5. Five five. Um, so, I mean, to be going up against a, a Canadian absolute powerhouse who, I mean, they outscored their opponents 41-6 to six throughout the whole tournament. Like, it's, it's great to see the U.S. growing, and, you know, it's you know, NHL is, is definitely king in hockey, but this can really push the developmental leagues to, you know, boost their appeal throughout the NHL. So, or I guess throughout the, the United States, throughout the that's know, what hockey it, world. That's what hockey, that's what NHL needs too, is like, if they want to get those young kids involved in, like we were talking about with the with football earlier, I mean, football's already king in the U.S., so they don't, they don't really have to do anything. But as far as, like, hockey, if they want to gain market share in the U.S., you know, this is perfect way, dude. All right, all right, all right, all right. It's that time of the show. That's right. It's time for Best Bets. This is a segment where we win y'all money every single week. Money, money, money. And we started from scratch because last week was the first episode of the year. So we're like, yo, we're going to start from scratch. Start over with our records. Ben, you went one and one, which is exactly how you finished the year. (laughs) Eh, yeah, I'll take it. It's yeah, I wasn't losing money, so hey, that's what matters. You had Warriors Damn plus straight. two and a half against Sacramento last Monday. That was a winner. You Huge also had w. Tennessee plus three and a half against Baltimore. That unfortunately was a loser. I had the uh, I had the football team plus ten and a half when it first opened. That was a winner. It even closed as a winner, and every single line thereafter was a winner. Also had Knicks Hawks under 222. That was a winner by one point. The game ended 221. You will take it all day of the week, though. Making money. Right. So, Ben, let's get some winners this week. Where are you going this week, brother? All right. So, I'm going to start with uh, with some uh, some football here and then going to move to uh, to something that it's been a while since we've taken. We've been able to take these picks. So uh, we're going to start off. We're going to go uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs going up against um, really a, a Browns team that was kind of questionable today. But the uh, line is sitting at Kansas City minus 10 right now. No, Kansas City does not like to cover. But, hey, they have been sitting 
all week getting everybody rested. We might even see uh, Clyde Edwards Solaire be coming back, which is going to be a huge option for them with Le'Veon Bell in the, uh, in the backfield there. But I mean, really, we got to look at today's scores um, and, and what the Browns did. Yes, they put up 48 points, but that was off of four horrible, horrible turnovers in the first part there. Um, they got into, you know, they put, excuse me, Pittsburgh into a huge hole, which is incredibly tough to come out of. But the biggest thing we got to look at is how Pittsburgh came back on the Browns. They then, you know, at 28-0 came back and scored 37 points. And you know, you. For me personally, I like Kansas City's offense better than uh, than the way Pittsburgh's playing right now. And uh, I mean, you know, Kansas City is not going to be giving up those those four, you know, five turnovers, and uh, they're definitely not going to be putting themselves in that that hole. So I'm going to say Kansas City is going to show up and show everybody in the NFL the team that they are and that they're going to be winning another uh, Super Bowl here so we're going to go Kansas City minus 10 all right and uh, for my second second pick we're going hockey I am so excited that hockey is back and I am going to be putting my money where my mouth is I am saying that these sharks are going to be doing better than uh, than they did last year and uh, this is, you know, a little bit of a homer bet, but there's uh, there's some reasoning behind this homer bet, and uh, and that is that they're playing. Well, first off, is they're playing an Arizona Coyotes team, and we talked about this earlier. This Coyotes team is absolutely in shambles. Um, I mean, they lost a lot, a lot of a. Uh, you know, of talent over this offseason, and they they had a ton of picks that were taken away from them. So it's going to be a, a tough couple years from the Arizona Coyotes, and I think it's going to, you know, start off pretty rough this year. Another big reason that I like the Sharks is they are not in San Jose at this time. They are having a camp that is 100%, you know, out of town, and they are stuck in the hotel room. So what are they they doing is they're getting close with their teammates you know to be honest I think the Sharks are gonna come out of the gate hot because they're gonna be a lot closer than any other team in the NHL right now and um, you know they they're gonna have that togetherness they're gonna have you know a, a, you know they're gonna be used to being away from home already you know so I'm gonna give this right now Sharks is sitting at plus 100 so uh, even money back I love it so Sharks money line Thursday against Arizona for the season opener. I hope you're right, Ben. Sharks oh, fan. I am. <clears throat> oh, I am. I, I mean, you, you sound confident. Really hope you're right. But let's hope. Let's hope. Let's give out some winners. We're gonna we're gonna pray that it's definitely a winner. But I really like Sharks coming out hot. I like where your head's at with that. Uh, my two best bets of the week. I'm going Rams plus seven against the Packers. I already said it. I don't care who the quarterback is. I think the Rams front four is going to be able to, to apply a lot of pressure, especially with Bakhtiari out. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to move the ball as efficiently as they have against a lot of porous defenses. I see this being a very low scoring game. And in turn, I see the Rams covering the seven. They might not win, but I definitely love the points. I love the plus seven. Let's lock it up. And second best bet of the uh, week. <clears throat> We're going over 209 and a half for the Hornets and Knicks tomorrow. Uh, these are two teams. The Charlotte Hornets are scoring 111 points in their last three games. The Knicks are giving up over 105 points a game, and the Knicks are scoring over 109 points a game. So either way you look at this, points per game given up, 
points per game scored. Both these teams average over 211 points, so I am locking up over 209.5 Charlotte. Or tonight, I should say. Tonight. Hell yeah. Love it. Man, starting off uh, 2021 strong. We, we need it. We're going to we're gonna make y'all some money. I absolutely love it. But, you know, another thing I also love is is our beer choices. And I got to know that philosophies and hypotheses, man. Like, I've, I've been thinking about that since you announced it. And tell me, how was that? It's good, man. It's really good. You can smell the, uh, the citrus, like I said. The, the aroma is beautiful. It's a good taste. It's, it mm. is very heavy, though. And, like, I can already feel it after taking, like, two sips. <clears throat> well actually i'm halfway through but i after two yeah, sips i can more it. than there we go <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a good beer i would definitely drink it again definitely buy it again i love drecker brewing company i have not had a bad beer from them yet this one's yep. definitely like a four 4.0 uh 4.25 out of oh yeah and what about that first one so my first beer that I had, which is the Baker 15, uh, the Dab Lab juice joint, which said it smelled like skunk and dipped in pineapple skunk or whatever. That was yep. a good beer, man. It definitely had a lot of good flavors. Uh, you know, as a fan of IPA and a fan of someone that doesn't necessarily like love crazy flavor, even though I love mm -hmm. sours. But when I drink an IPA, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I don't like all yeah. these other flavors. Uh it was a great beer, man. Definitely something I would buy again. Definitely something I would drink again. Giving it like a 4.3. Oh, hell yeah. Man, above 4 point, you know, 4 point anything is, is outstanding. And you had two of those. Hell yeah, yeah, man. Two good beers this week. Two great beers this week. What about you, Ben? Love it. Um, so I, I started off with the Kelly Brewing Company, and that was out of Morgan Hill, California. Mm -hmm. uh, also got to give a shout out to Mikey Peartree for, uh, for bringing this beer over. Um, uh, he's a, a big fan of Kelly, and you know I know why. It was a great beer. Um, it was a, a super clear IPA, uh, medium. I'd say medium kind of bodied. Um, it had a great hop taste to it with those mosaics. It it was a little much at the beginning, but it, it mellowed as as the beer kind of got to its. I, I'd say its right temperature. I, I want to say I probably had it initially a little too cold um for that that mosaic hoppiness to it um the only thing i wasn't the biggest fan of it is it did kind of have a caramely taste to it um so i am gonna drop it down a, a 0.1 for that but it's still i'm still gonna give it a 4.0 out of 5 um it was a great beer that I'm, I'm gonna have again um i'm lucky that this is only you know 15 minutes or so away and um i'm looking forward to their other you know single hot beers um, but, uh, you know, good beer at, at a four, I definitely, you know, drink it again and, uh, and go get it again. Um, uh, but my, my second beer of the night, the central coast brewing, uh, out of San Luis Obispo, this was the juice almighty IPA. It was a 7.5. Um, this was, this was one of my favorite hazy IPAs I've had in a long time. Um, it was, you know, it was, it had its hoppiness to it. Um, but it wasn't something that was overpowered. It had a great color. Um, you know, it had a, a nice, soft kind of mouthfeel to it. Um, you know, had a little bit of that citrus there. And it had, you know, some pineapple taste. So I would say it was a tropical fruit explosion. Like, you know, they 
they said it was. Um, Love you. This is this is a great great beer. Um, I haven't been to Central Coast Brewery. Um, you know, it's in San Luis Obispo, which is you know two three hours away. But I, I think it's going to be worth the journey to go have this on tap. Um, it's an outstanding beer. I'm going to give this a four point seven out of five. Um, this is this is a beer that I need to go find more of. So. Oh yeah. Love it. That's, all, I think it's your all, highest rated beer. Then. Uh, it could at least out of the IPAs. I think I've had a pale that's been up there. I had a really, I had that revision. Uh, I think it was the, what was it the Hoptomium, uh, revision pale ale that was outstanding. Uh, Hoptonomy, Hopotonomy was what it was. Um, and it was uh, that was my highest. But this is this is up there. This is a great beer. So, hell yeah. All right, guys. Well, everybody out there, thank you for listening to uh, to the Taproom Sports Podcast. Make sure to uh, check us out on Instagram at Taproom Sports Podcast, on Twitter at Taproom underscore sports. And you mean, you can just go to our website, www.taproomsportspodcast.com. You can find all those social media accounts. You can find all of the, uh, you know, the other podcasts that we have on the network. And you can check out our merchandise that we have in collaboration with The Glory. Ten of great shirts, ten of great sweatshirts. You know, go check those out. Uh, make sure to check out uh, APR on Thursdays for the NFL, you know, divisional series preview. As Jordan and I are joined by Steady Eddie Martin and Tiffany from Picks by Chicks for a view of each and every game of the week. We're still doing our fantasy, and we've got some some great best bets. Um, but as we're we're talking about uh, Taproom Sports Podcast podcasts, I'm gonna give uh, it over to uh, to Jordan to talk about the program, and uh, you know, quick shout out for uh, the Wager Wire that's coming out. Or excuse me, it's not the Wager Wire anymore. Square Sharks. It's the Square Sharks. My bad. Yes, my yes, bad. Yes. My bad. So we got the program podcast. We're really trying to settle on a date. Uh, you know, Brian, does, Brian, my partner on that show, does his own podcast as well called Reformed Hooligans. So Check it out. We're trying, we're, we're trying to settle on a date. I think we want to release uh, Saturday mornings. I'm not 100% sure yet. We're playing with the days, but check us out. Follow us, taproomsportspodcast.com slash the program. Also, it's been great so far. Yeah, it has. It's a good conversation. My man Brian is very, very, very knowledgeable and in tune with college sports. He wrote for uh, a big um, radio station on in New England for college sports, so he has like a, a high degree of knowledge over there. Um, as far as the Square Sharks, it's a podcast we're just getting started. This one's with me and Steady Eddie Martin. It's probably gonna rotate host to be honest ben will probably be on there talking hockey sometimes if yes, he might even be on there talking the bachelor right just anything gambling wise like that's the show you want to listen to we're going to be doing it two times a week right now maybe going to three it's going to come out every tuesday and every friday check it out as we move towards college hoops that's like my specialty so a lot of college hoops knowledge on there um Especially because we're releasing on Tuesday, which is the biggest day of college basketball on Saturday, the second biggest. Give us a listen. Uh, it's really fun stuff, man. We got a lot of dope stuff coming out with Taproom Sports. Obviously, we also have Pints of Love, Ben. Yep. On the move, man. 
love it. Ben and I are going to be live on Pints of Love. We're going to be having a buddy of mine, Chris Ransom from Draft Utopia. He's an NFL draft guru. Yep. Literally knows his draft stuff. Goes to the... All, like, he does all that draft stuff. Travels yep. around. Literally scouts high school, high school college talent. Have him on talking... Because this is literally the week after... Super Bowl, yeah. So we're gonna be talking NFL draft, Super Bowl recap, uh, on Pints of Love live, and it probably be our first live show. <laughs> you got it. Yep. Hey, and I mean we're gonna be in the middle of NHL. We're gonna be in the yes. middle of NBA. It's it's gonna be a fun fun podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Um, shout out to uh, 90 Second Beer Review for for putting that on, and uh, you know huge huge shout out for uh, you know getting us a you know a spot on there we're we're definitely looking forward to that but uh hell yeah 2021 is going to be a great year um hope it is a a great year for for all of y'all listening um you know we're we're here to uh to give you some entertainment during that time but we will see you next week for everybody out there i am your host well co-host big ball and ben larson with the other half jordan stacks on stacks on stacks lats we will see you next week we out of here